All right. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Gym Day podcast. We've got another great guest here today. He is a member of the 1990 Wire to Wire World Champion Cincinnati Reds, the catcher, Joe Oliver. How are we doing? Great, Jim. How are you doing? I am fantastic. I couldn't be better, especially sitting across from you. Um, let's start with what you're doing nowadays, because everyone always says, hey, catchers make the best managers, and you are right now trying to work your way up the uh, up the old ladder, and you're in the Red Sox organization, which kills me, by the way. It just <laughs> kills me. Can I just say this? I'm going to say this so you don't have to say this. Doggone it, why aren't you managing in the Red system? But with that being said, uh, managing in the Red Sox system, right? Yes, I. Uh, this will be my seventh season in the uh, Red Sox organization, and I'll be in Portland, Maine, uh, with the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, I was there last year, um, and uh, really excited about it. Uh, got some young players coming up uh, through the system, and we got uh, an opportunity. I got to send a player up this year to the big leagues for the first time. Oh, really? Darwin, Darwinson Hernandez, yeah, a left-handed nice. pitcher. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're right on that cusp of, of guys uh, uh, getting to the big leagues or some guys getting sent down. So right. you're, you're dealing with good news and bad news. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's pretty incredible when you, when you get to the ballpark and you got guys that are hungry to get to the next level. How much of a learning curve was it to, I don't want to say today's baseball, like you're some ancient player or anything, but it's a different game today. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of ancient. No, not really ancient. I mean, oh, ask my body. <laughs> Well, you're a catcher, so uh, how are the knees, by the way? Well, they're probably the best thing on me because really? they've been replaced. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm still under warranty. Oh, there you go. I'm like, how did you get through that with your knees okay? All right, that makes sense. Both of them replaced. Wow. Yes, yes. How, how, how was that? Did you have one at a time, I hope? I did. I, I staggered them six weeks apart, and, you know, the, the new flavor is now uh, to both do them at the same time. And I just, yeah. you know, my wife said, that's not going to happen. No. She's not going <laughs> to, she's not going to deal with two, you know, right. uh, she goes, that would be like me having another baby, you know, yeah. with you, uh, uh, whining and complaining with the pain and everything. She goes, I, there's no way I'm going to deal with that in double dose at one time. Well, how it, was it a learning curve? Getting back to that question, was it a learning curve for you? You know, I, I had, uh, retired from baseball after the 2001 season mm -hmm. and, and uh, took a year or two off, and then my nephews were playing baseball, and I got back involved uh, in high school athletics. So I was a high school baseball coach, and then I started my own travel ball, uh, travel ball program down in Florida. And it made it an easy transition of staying in touch with the youth, you know. And yeah. then the Red Sox called and said uh, it was after – I took 13 years off, and uh, they said we have an opportunity to manage in Lowell, which is the New York Penn League, and uh, – uh, we need somebody for extended spring training, and then you take over the Lowell uh, position. And it, it definitely was a little bit of a shock. Uh, you, you're dealing with much better athletes, obviously, than dealing with high school players all the time. Uh, but for the most part, it's so raw with what you're dealing with down in rookie ball, uh, down in, in extended spring training, because those guys didn't stick with the team. So uh, – and 95% and of those guys don't speak English anyway. So – and I – I don't speak very well uh, or Spanish very well. It's kind of broken, but uh, I can order a cab and I can get some food. So, <laughs> but I mean, it definitely is a learning experience, but it makes you, to me, it makes you a better coach because you start embracing the basics of baseball again. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't take it uh, for granted that the guys know how to run bases. You know, you don't, you think that a guy knows how to run down the first baseline when he hits a ground ball to shortstop. 
you have to teach that. Some of the fundamentals know. are lacking it, in it, pro bono. It's, it's amazing how that has changed. It, where back and bases up, you yeah. know, pitchers not knowing where, where to go when a ball hit. It was second nature to you guys in your era. Well, if we like didn't that. do it, we we obviously had to pay a price. Right. You know, we either have to do some uh, extra work, or if you were at a higher level, they would send you out. Oh, you know, absolutely. There was no problem getting sent down to the next level, or if you're in the big leagues and you forgot to do something, going back to AAA, yeah, and figure it out. And uh, you know, but you have to have a lot more patience. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of 17, 18, 19 year old kids, and uh, a lot of kids that probably played some college baseball, small college baseball, right. but didn't have a whole lot of experience. So it helped me grow um, and understand the communication. You cannot assume things, and you really have to go back to coaching. Yeah. Um, is it your goal to be a big league manager? Is that something you want to do? I, I If the opportunity the, presents itself, obviously. I tell people all the time, my goal is not changed from when I was a player to when I'm a coach. I want to get to the biggest stage that I possibly can. I want to be challenged at the highest level. Um, I want to make the right or the wrong decision and be accountable for it. Um, I want that challenge. You know, It's no different than calling a baseball game. I'm yeah. going to prepare myself, um, and I'm going to do the best that I have with who's out there and available. And if I if it's an opportunity to be at a big league club, I would welcome it in, in a heartbeat. But right now, I'm happy being a double A manager with the with Boston. Uh, but I know that I could do it. I know that I will be prepared. And the biggest thing, and I think, with managing today and all of baseball is surrounding your, yourself with the best quality people you can find. Because if you can't coach or, or have coaches that you trust and give responsibilities to, then you're going to fail. The 1990 team, I mean, um, obviously when you're introduced anywhere outside of what you're doing now, I mean, they're going to start with 1990 world champion Joe Oliver, the catcher of, of the wire-to-wire team. Um, do you – I mean, there's the big red machine, and then there's people that, you know, let's face it, weren't alive then. The 1990 team is their team. You're their big red machine. Uh, how much pride do you take from that world championship? You know, be, being here at, at Reds Fest, I kind of get a, uh, I guess, a baptism again of how special it was for the, the fans of the Cincinnati Reds. Because, you know, I go back home to Florida and I kind of do my own thing. I'm back in real life. And then I go to my job with the with the Red Sox and I'm kind of – it kind of is away from, from this. But then when I, when I come here to Reds Fest and, and I get to – to, to interact with the fans again, I hear where people were when the World Series was going on. Absolutely. I hear what grade they were in. I yeah. hear, you know, memories that people probably think that I don't think is special, but it's, you know what, I impacted them. My teammates, we impacted them um, in their life growing up. And it's cool because you know – uh, when Eric Davis hit the home run off of Dave Stewart, Stewart, where you were, were you in the stadium? Were you listening to uh, uh, Marty and Joe on the radio? Were you, you know, watch, watching it on TV? Um, a gentleman told me that he was in the Navy and uh, had just been a recruit, and they were isolated from TV and radio. Oh wow! And he didn't know until five days after the World Series we had won. Oh wow! And, and he found out, and he and his buddy had that was from near the area he said they had to hold it in but then they went to a different room and all of a sudden they started screaming and yelling because they finally yeah. were world champions you know oh that's great and, it, and it's it, it puts it in perspective how yeah. much what you can do to impact people's lives and athletics is so important for our society and it really helps out people you know it brings so much joy and and i think if 
you know, when you look back on that team, it was a special group of guys. We pulled together, and we had a lot of fun. And it's hard to believe that we were the last World Series yeah. champion. I mean, it's right. too long for Cincinnati to not have a world champion. It's, it's way too long. But you were full of characters. I mean, I would have loved. <laughs> that's putting it. That's putting <laughs> it nicely. <laughs> I mean, I I was working in local news at the time in Columbus, so I covered the World Series, but I didn't cover the team like I do now on a daily basis. I would love to do what I do now for that team because <laughs> I you mean, would need a dump button for uh, sure. Yeah, you you'd uh, need about a six or seven I stagger. Mean, yeah. I mean, there's just <laughs> so many, <laughs> so many guys uh, and so many stories and so many personalities. Um, and not, let's just none bigger. Well, than, just imagine if we had social media back oh, then, are you, kidding me? you know, uh, the Twitter accounts <laughs> yeah. and the, and the Instagram <laughs> yeah. and oh my goodness. But yeah, but it's just, how about Randy Myers with a Twitter account? <laughs> Dibble. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I, I, I follow Dibs now, and I couldn't imagine. Yeah. He's fifty-five. I couldn't imagine what he was saying at twenty-five. Exactly. <laughs> Some of the things would be like, all right, Rob, uh, you might want to tone that down a little bit. I think. I think Instagram and Facebook and Twitter would have shut him down. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> or some of the video that would have made it on. Just you know, Randy Myers showing up with whatever. <laughs> war <laughs> military I, thing he had at I, the time i could see some some posts popping up of him sitting spread eagle with a with his uh, military rambo knife slice slicing salami and eating, exactly. eating salami How, on the floor are you guys you be taking videos of him every day you would be a the social media <laughs> sensation i mean it'd be unbelievable <laughs> we'd have probably shut it down yeah. uh, marge would have probably shut you filters. down yeah marge would have shut you oh, down oh definitely definitely <laughs> honey we can't be doing that sweetie <laughs> yeah. i don't know what your name is <laughs> exactly <laughs> well none uh more of a character than lupinella your manager i mean what what was it like i know you know, being a pitcher under Lou was tough at times. How about being the catcher? What was it like? <laughs> like being a pitcher. <laughs> you know, being a young catcher under Lou, he he uh, he hated losing. And, you know, I think we all, as we kind of got a little more acclimated to what Lou was about, we appreciated his competitive nature. Um, but being a catcher, the expectations were a lot higher. Uh, just because he had so much trust in the game calling. You know, we, we were given the scouting report. Uh, we went over uh, the hitters with the pitchers extremely well. And, and I mean, we dotted, dotted every uh, I and crossed every T that we could back in that day. And, you know, it was compared to today's standards, very, very limited, very limited on the stuff. But the scouts did a great job giving us information. Um, and Lou – you know, if you if he felt you deviated from what he thought the pitcher's best uh, pitches were or selection was, he would let you know. And it didn't have to be when you were coming to the bench. He would yell at you During in the, the middle of the inning, you know, <laughs> what the hell are you doing, you know? Would he and that's, it? that's the censored yeah. version. <laughs> yeah. Would you have it out with him on the mound sometimes? Would he come out and he – would, He would have uh, some, some uh, heated exchanges with pitch selection or, yeah. or maybe execution or, you know, it wasn't always the pitcher's fault, it was my right. fault or vice versa or, or after games maybe when we didn't really execute our pitches well or the game plan very well. Right. I think I was either released 50 times or traded 50 times, you know, from the, from the bench all the way up to the clubhouse <laughs> yeah. as you're walking through that tunnel. 
yeah. and it's usually after you've walked through that tunnel and Norm Charlton has knocked all the fluorescent lighting out and you're trying to feel your way through the tunnel <laughs> <laughs> and you're hearing Lou's expletives all the way up the, the runway. <laughs> that is beautiful. Now, something I've always wondered when – and I'm going to ask because I want to know particularly about Lou. But when a manager comes out and makes a, a pitching change and the pitcher leaves the mound, what's said after that? Because it's it's usually just the manager and the catcher and maybe some of the, the infield. Was Lou, like, getting on the guy when he came out of the game? Sometimes he would he would wear him out, and sometimes he would just he would start talking about the next hitters that were coming up. Oh, okay. I mean, actually, he would yeah. have some, some kind of formula or game plan. But, yeah, there's plenty of times that he was – continuing to un undress whoever he took the baseball from so you know you'd walk out there with your mask on top of your helmet yeah. and about the time he starts the conversation you're pulling it down you know you're trying to hide <laughs> any way you can so but you know it, it goes with being a competitor and you know if, if he feels like he can make you better by getting under you know under your skin a little bit which it helped me play as a player right some people didn't didn't survive very well and didn't perform very well under that style of managing but uh it made me be more uh, accountable for myself and right. push myself even more so i'm very appreciative you know for playing with lou i mean i played with him twice in seattle too so yeah. apparently i was doing something right that he brought me back to seattle twice yeah so um i think we had a good relationship as far as i knew what he wanted from me and he knew what he was going to get from me yeah. so do you have a go-to loose stories that crack people up? <laughs> Boy, how, how long's your podcast? <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're at Reds Fest and we're under a time constraint. I could talk seriously, Joe. I could talk to you all night, all day, and I think the listeners would love this. But at limited time, but we have enough time for some loose stories. We always got time for that. Uh, one of one of the favorite ones is uh, Rob Dibble was pitching, and Eric Yolding was was uh, with the Astros, and he gets on first base, and it's a one-run game, and. Lou comes out there, you know, he's got his jacket on, his hands in his pocket, and he, he's adjusting his hat front and back as he's walking out there and he's trying to figure out what he's going to say. And he's, he tells, Dibs, you got to give Joe a chance to throw Yelding out here. He's going to steal second base. And Rob said, screw that. You know, I'm, I'm just going to – I'm, I'm going to strike the next guys out. And Lou turns around and he goes, you got to give him a chance to throw this guy out. It's a tie and run. He goes back to the dugout. Next pitch, Eric Gelding steals second base because Rob was about a 2-5 to the plate. Right. And Lou comes back out there again. And he goes, Rob, you got to hold him at second base. He's going to take third. And Rob hands him the ball. And he goes, what are you doing? He goes, Lou, that's your second trip. <laughs> <laughs> and there was nobody warming up in the bullpen. <laughs> there was nobody in the pen. And, you know, Old Riverfront, the bullpen was the end of the bench. Right, yeah, right there. And you saw everybody who was sitting out there that was a bullpen guy running and hiding because they knew they had eight pitches. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes Devil walking off the field, and Lou's just, like, got his arm fingers out pointing, and Tim Leana was the only See, guy I standing. He was standing. Ask you who was the – it was like somebody stepped on an anthill and they just took off. <laughs> but, you know, just things like that with, with him. I mean, he, he's, he's such a beauty and yeah. he's got so much good in his heart and passion for baseball. Right. And, 
and he, he doesn't do anything that, uh, that, that, that's going to hurt you. Yeah. He just wants to make you better. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, did, I went down to Florida, and we did an extended interview with him, and it was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. He's just showing me pictures on the wall and going throughout his whole career, and it was just – he was telling me stories of just great – stories about uh, Steinbrenner and stuff mm-hmm. with the Yankees. I mean, he's got so many stories to tell, so much baseball knowledge. Uh, just unbelievable. And, and that's kind of what's so nice about me coming back here for this each year is – when I'm with the Red Sox, I don't get to tell my Red story so much. Yeah. But when I'm here, now I'm getting, I'm getting to interact with people that the stories involve with. You know that that I get to tell Eric Davis stories, or I get to, I get to, you know, rub shoulders with these guys, and we yeah. just we start telling stories about ourselves, and you know, it picks up right where it left off. Oh, no doubt about. It. Well, I mean, you you talked about people remember when Eric Davis hit the home run. That was Game One. Heck, I remember, and people remember Game Two. Tenth inning, <laughs> Billy Bates aboard, Joe Oliver. The Hoping double- Lou's not going to pinch hit for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think you were going to get pinch hit? Well, I can't help but look over there because yeah. I had a, I had a chance in the eighth inning off a of Rick Honeycutt, and, and and you know I tell the story a lot. I said I grounded out on a pitch I felt I should have hit, and uh, coming back up there, I'm like Dennis Eckersley. Oh boy, you know uh, I've seen all the all the video. I've heard all the hype. You know. We didn't have as much video research on those guys. We didn't have all the tendencies. We knew that he liked to use a slider. We knew he had unbelievable control. But give me a chance. That's all I wanted. You know, I couldn't help but look over my right shoulder to see if he was yeah. saying, Joe, come on back. But, you know, I took a couple of steps. I didn't hear my name. And then all of a sudden it was trying to get focused on the at-bat. Well, what an at-bat it was because down the left field line, uh, and it won game two, which, you know, winning game one obviously was huge. And Eric Davis set the – the tone there but winning game two especially going to Oakland after that was so big to take a 2-0 lead is that the greatest moment besides the final out and winning uh, the world championship was that your great greatest moment oh it has to be you know anytime that you can go up on that stage and have a walk-off hit you live yeah. that childhood dream a of world that. series walk-off yeah. hit yeah hey, you, <laughs> you you live that dream of the wiffle ball games in the front or backyard yeah. as a kid and and to be able to say that you did it off a you know one of the best closers of all time right. and uh, um, you know who ironically works for the Red Sox so yeah <laughs> do, you, do you see him I, I, I I'm waiting for that opportunity you know something came up on the MLB. it hasn't happened yet no not oh. yet <laughs> I, now that I've, I'm in double a I'm going to big league camp and yeah MLB network uh, played something and you know about the nasty boys and and then I just tweeted something out about, I wonder if Eckersley remembers this the way I do. And it, it wasn't 10 minutes later, I got a follow back from him on Twitter. So Really? <laughs> really? So I can't, I can't wait to have that conversation with that him. That so. is great. <laughs> Followed you. Oh, that's tremendous. I love oh, that man. story. What was it like catching Riho, Browning, Jackson? Uh, the nasty boys. I mean, yeah, the pitching staff was unbelievable. You know, Tom was uh, loved to work fast, and he had so much trust in me on what I called, and I had so much trust. Whatever I decided to go with, um, he was going to execute. So that was that was an easy game call. You just found the rhythm, and you you, you found his two pitches because he very rarely threw a breaking ball. It was mainly fastball changeup, and he could dot his fastball anywhere he wanted to. And uh, it was easy to work with him and fun to work with him because it was just it was just you know clicking. Uh, Riho, you know, he, 
he was that power arm. Slide throw ninety five to ninety seven, and then throw a ninety two mile an hour slider anywhere he wanted to, any any count he wanted to, and you know if he threw a hundred pitches, he'd throw eighty sliders, and it didn't matter if it was the pitcher or uh, the three hole hitter, he was going to pitch them the same way and pitch them tough, right? You know, Danny Jackson was probably one of the harder guys to catch because his ball cut and moved so much. You know, you're talking about a guy throwing ninety four, ninety five miles an hour, and, and just cutting hard and heavy and you almost wanted to wear some Kevlar because all the bats that he shattered, you yeah. know, with that hard cutter right. coming in on the righties. And you would see guys take their worst bat and their bat rack up to the plate when they were hitting off of him. Yeah. You know, their BP bat, they had just taken the tape <laughs> off the end of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they do that anymore nowadays. But no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and the games were shortened up because of our bullpen. Yeah. You know, we, you, you have a uh, – Well, you just – starter gets it to the seventh, man. You – Turn out I mean, the you, lights. You get six innings and you're yeah. ahead. Game's over. Over. I mean, you got two lefties that are throwing uh, with great control with Charlton and Myers, and Dibble's throwing 100 miles an hour, and uh, nobody has a comfortable bat, at bat off of any of those guys. Right. And you could flip flop any one of those guys in the seventh, eighth, or the ninth, and it didn't matter. The outcome was going to be the same. Right. And uh, you you would see guys managers managed us completely different. They started bunting in the first and second inning if they got the first guy on, trying to get a lead. They're trying to push the, the bullpen right. back from coming in earlier. If they could get a one- or two-run lead, they felt like they had a better chance. And when you can dictate and change the game because of your bullpen, that's saying something. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, it's, that, that team was ahead of its time. I've talked about Sparky. Anderson being ahead of his time, he was Captain Hook. But you know, nowadays pitchers are going five, six innings. You get near a hundred pitches, and it's it's over. They want to get it to your bullpen. The bullpen guys are so nasty that to face the back end of a bullpen is so tough. And that nineteen ninety team was uh, could play today. There is yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. And, and and the one thing that you know Dibble was he didn't just throw it. I mean, he could control his fastball and yeah. and and when he started getting some arm injuries he lost his control his velocity mm. was still there but he lost his control and and that's kind of when it started going south but for about a five-year run there oh yeah it, it was unbelievable yeah. to bring a guy in that could throw 100 miles an hour and throw a 93 mile an hour slider at any time right. to anybody and you knew and norm charlton is 95 to 97 with his <clears throat> Split finger, spit, spit finger. You can't see what he just did. He put his fingers to his mouth. But spit finger. Spit finger. Oh, okay. The secrets that come out now. And you know, I I got plenty of contusions on my lower extremities having to block that. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I was happy to call it, but I knew the pain was coming. Oh man, I, you, we're under a tight schedule here. I, I got to turn you loose. We didn't even get to the position players. We didn't even get to. You said you've got Eric. Davis stories I'm like oh I want to hear those someday so hopefully I can get you back on here sounds great uh, and again um, hello out there love to see Joe Oliver managing in the red system just throwing it out there I know you don't have to say anything I know you're happy to be in the Red Sox organization great organization but lots of luck Uh, I hope you attain your goal of being a big league manager I think you'll be an excellent one I appreciate that, Jim. All right. Thank you. It's Joe Oliver, everyone. It's the Jim Day Podcast. Uh, give us a follow uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at Jim Day TV. Follow Joe. Where are we on Twitter? Because you, you're a good follow. Because I believe it's Joe, at Joe Oliver 9. Joe Oliver 9, because all of a sudden I'm seeing pictures of, like, naked and afraid or something, <laughs> you and your wife. 
I'm just going to leave it at that. You have to go on there and follow. Which I think we changed it to Afraid to be Naked. <laughs> afraid to be Naked. There you go. So he's a good follow. Uh, once again, we hope you uh, subscribe, uh, rate, and review this podcast. It is the Gym Day Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time.